That's a good prayer, because I'm tempted to say, why don't we just soak, you know? And no, uh, no, I want to hear you first. So, you, can, you can take it to about five past nine. Okay, thank you. Sorry, just going to get organised. Is that all right? Oh. <laughs> I'm not very good at things like this. However, it goes down a bit. Oh, that, that one's fine now. I've just got a box. Here we are. Now I'm organised. Nearly organised, anyway. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm talking about Jesus in the everyday. I'm also talking about identity. So I thought I'd tell you a funny story about identity to start with. Do you know David Pitches? He's a bishop, and he started New Wine. Oh, thanks very much, Anne. Thank you. Anyway, he went to... um, This is true. I've heard him say it. He went to a service... And this vicar started his service by saying, I spent many a night in the arms of another man's wife. Well, caused interest. And then he said, my mother. And, you know, obviously when he was little. So David Pitches thought, well, that's a good start. I'll wait till I've got a big group. So he got together. There was a big group. So the bishop stood up and he said, well, I've spent many a night in the arms of another man's wife. Uh, pause. Further pause. Then he said, but the trouble is I can't for the life of me remember who she was. You <laughs> <laughs> sort of hope someone helps him out at that point, don't you? You know. Well, <laughs> it, it, yeah, you need to know. Anyway, um, I've got a identity. Oh, yes, my, I'm still on. I've got a secret identity which I don't usually tell people about, and I haven't told Anne about, so it's all a bit of a risk. Oh, she says, but I thought I would tell you. I'm actually a very significant person and a very well-known person and a very much-loved person. So who am I? Actually, I'm a child of God, the King of Kings. And I'll tell you what that does, why I'm special. Because I'm known by God. In fact, I don't know if you'll believe this bit, but it says that my name is written in heaven. Imagine that. So mind I, you know, that's quite significant. It says I was chosen before the foundation of the world to be his child. What about that? I don't go around saying, generally speaking, well, actually, I was chosen before the foundation of the world. But truthfully, that is who I am. My name is that important to God. It's as though he not only wrote it on his hand, it's as though he engraved it on his hand so that he never, ever forgets. The the strange thing about it is that God knows me as I really am. And accepts me. Now, how the heck did this happen? He said, he said he's never going. So I'm never abandoned. I'm never alone. He said he'd come and make his home with me. So how did I get that special? Well, there was a time, ages ago now, when... When I, I met some people who had really got something I wanted, and they were Christians. 
And they said, well, I said, how do you get, how do you get what you've got? And they said, well, you asked Jesus to come into your life. So I said, yeah, Lord, I'd like you in my life. I didn't repent because they didn't mention that bit and I didn't know anything about it. And that, but that comes later anyway. So, and at that point, at that point, when I did something quite simple, I became a child of God. It says, it says, to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. So that's who I am. I'm, I'm known in heaven. I'm a loved child of God. Now, would any of you say there was a time you invited Jesus into your life? It's called becoming a Christian or just asked him in. Yes, Jesus, I'd like to know. Just put up your hand if that's ever happened to you. Well, there's a heck of a lot of you. So do you see? It's not actually just me who's special. Each child is special to God. How did you get special? You got special by inviting Jesus into your life. And those of you who didn't put your hand up, let me tell you, you are just as special. You also were loved from the beginning of the world, but you haven't discovered it in its fullness yet. It's one of, it's perhaps the best thing to find out in the whole of life, really. So what what effect does it have? Can I tell you, the lovely bit is this is nothing to do with being good. And it's nothing to do with what I achieve. How, How can we become so special? Well, it's completely upside down, the world thinks. The world says you're special if you do this, have that, achieve this. Well, on that score, I don't score very high. But if you think about Kate and William's baby, that is going to be a highly special baby when it's born. And it won't have done anything at all. It'll have just been born. That's all it will have done to be special. And that's all I did to be special. I got born. Born of God, it's called. Of course, Jesus paid a pretty high price for me. Pretty high price for all of us. He paid the ultimate price. He couldn't have paid more. How much you pay for a thing is indicative of how much you think it's worth, isn't it? We've all gone to shops and said, oh, no, I wouldn't pay that. Goodness gracious, it's not worth it to me. I must have been, we must have been worth a heck of a lot to God for Jesus to pay the ultimate price. I, I wouldn't. But Jesus did because he loved us. So do you know who are we? Why did I tell you about me? Because if I'd said to you, you are infinitely special, only about one in ten of you would have remotely believed me. How did I become special by being born? How did you become special? By being born into his family. And Yancey has a lovely quote, and he says, "Um, there's nothing I can do to make God love me more. Exactly interesting. You know, even if I'm very good for the rest of my life, which I'm in no danger of doing, but supposing I did, (laughs) it wouldn't make God love me more. And there's nothing I can do to make God love me less. Even if I say, well... 
I don't want to know. He won't love me less. And this isn't actually so miraculous. If you look at a, a reasonable parent, do they love their child more if they come top of the class? Hopefully not. Do they love them less when they come bottom of the class? Well, my parents didn't. They just loved me the same when I came. I wasn't quite bottom. I was just nearly bottom. But anyway, um, you know, and that's, that's how it goes. Brennan Manning, have you heard of Brennan Manning? He's an alcoholic Catholic priest who's just died. In other words, he hadn't got life quite together, had he? And he said, we have to change our, our image of ourselves radically if we see ourselves as deeply and infinitely loved by God. We have to change our image of ourselves. How, what, where have you got your image of yourself from? I'll tell you where most of us got it from, parents. And we've learned a whole load of lies along the way as well, which aren't what God says. Sometimes we feel abandoned or we feel lost. And he says, I am with you always and I'm not going. It's the last verse of Matthew. It's worth learning that one. Just five words which can change. I am with you always. Really? That's what he says. And, and, you know, there's a song. It's a children's song. But it says, I'm special because God has loved me. But supposing it's true. Supposing it's true. And, and it, why should it be that odd, really? Because most parents, good parents, love their children, not because they've done anything, but because they're theirs. Why does God love us? Because we're his. Why does he want us? Don't ask me. I don't know. But it says in Ephesians, the beginning of Ephesians, he chose us before the foundation of the world to be his children. Such was his will and pleasure. This was before the whole world had got muddled up. In other words, God sat down and metaphorically thought, yes, I would like children and I know what they're like and I love them. And this is a, both a scary and a wondrous place to be. I have a safe place where I'm known by God. If I could pretend with God, I would. You know, if he said to me, how are you? I'd say, fine, thank you, like I tell everybody. But, you know, supposing I had a really rough day, I can't, I can't deceive God, can I? No point. So he knows me as I am and he accepts me. Good days, bad days. And of course, this is nothing to do with feelings. If you do it with feelings, it would be completely hopeless. We'd, we'd, some days we'd know God, some days we wouldn't. You do it by faith. But when my daughter was one and a half, she, she could make me disappear. It's quite simple. You can all do it. I'll tell you what you do. You put your hands in front of your eyes and then you open them. And I've disappeared completely if you, if you do that. And she'd do that, and they'd say, oh, you've gone, you've gone. And I'd take her hands away and say, no, I haven't. When she got to two and a half, she said, I can't see you, but you're there. Right. Most of the time, I'm at the two and a half stage. God, I can't see you, but you're there. Occasionally, I'm at the one and a half stage. God, you've gone, you've gone, you've gone. And God says, no, I, I haven't. It's not by sight. It's not by feelings. Isn't it a good thing it's not by feelings? God's much more consistent than that. He's there whether you feel he is or he doesn't. It doesn't make any difference if you don't feel loved. You're still loved. 
And I spend half my life trying to bring my life in line with what God teaches, in line with truth, because truth sets you free. I, I've got... Um, oh, yeah, I'll just tell you about... I'll just tell you about a secret world. Um, when my daughter was little, she was horrible at some point. Um, this was about three. And I discovered this thing called focused attention. Maybe your children were all lovely, but mine, well, we won't talk about it. Sometimes they were wonderful. Other times we won't talk about it. But anyway, so at three... She yelled a lot, and I found out this thing called focused attention. So what we did is I got a huge sheet, and I put it over a table so that it hung down every side, and we went underneath the table, and this was our secret world. And we sat in our secret world. She was very pleased. She got me, and I wasn't going to do anything else. We'd just sit and talk. We'd pretend to have tea. We'd pretend all sorts of things. That was our secret world. And I remember we were out at some... Um, prize giving and she was getting thoroughly fed up any three year old would at a prize giving you know it's very boring we were having a meal went on and on and on and I thought if only we could go in our secret world she'd be alright and I thought I can't go under the tables everybody else's legs under there I can't do that but I was wearing a very big jumper not jumper cardigan I took it off half over me and half over her and I said we're in our secret world her eyes widened and she was very pleased she just got me it tanked her up I use this as a method of making my children behave better by spending time with them they behave better it, it tanked them up inwardly okay I'll give you one other and that's how it is with God we've got to have a secret world with God just a time us and him not when you're washing up or driving to work either Although you can spend time with God, that's another way, but you do need that secret time. And um, I'll give you another illustration. No, wait a minute, I, I better read my notes. Um, oh yes, I know, I know. I was going to tell you about Psalm 139. I'll come on to that bit. Psalm 139 describes how we are with God. It says, you know what I think when I get up, when I go to sleep. Then it says, if I descend to hell, you're there. What does that mean? Well, have you ever had a time on this earth that's pretty bad? It's a bit like hell. I can see somebody nodding. I didn't look at them. Yeah, I guess most of us at times have had something that's like hell. If you descend to hell, I am there. It's not so bad I'm not there. If I say, let darkness cover me and the light about me be night. Well, darkness, this is metaphorically, is pretty bad. You know, you say, well, things are really dark. Um, I remember saying to a friend, I can't tell you what's going on, but I'm being dismembered. That's how I felt inside. It was, it was bad. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the light is as bright as the day. God doesn't say, oh, dear. What are we going to do now? He, he, he comes alongside us in this darkness. He's not promising to say no darkness. That's not it. He says, I can transform your darkness. He's not saying no difficulties. He's saying, I can walk with you in them. And that makes the difference. And, and I bet you, 
half of you could stand up and say, I went through something rough and it was different because God was there with me. How are you going to find this? This makes all the difference to finding God in the everyday. You might think I've forgotten what I came to talk about. I haven't really. (laughs) If you know who you are, then you can go back to God much more easily. There was a time, this was a long time back, when I was um, a binge eater. It wasn't very fun. Really, it was a bit grim. And if I had had a whole binge eating, it used to take me days to come to God. I used to feel as though I got to sort myself out and repent and, and further repent and then be good for a long time and then I could come and pray. Now that is condemnation, which we don't have to carry. And it is wrong thinking, actually, what I learned in the end was I could come straight away to God. And receive forgiveness at that point. And of course then a whole healing came. But don't wait till you get things right. Come in whatever muddle or pain you're in. This is part of the wonder of God. If you had a child who was in a muddle. You wouldn't wait. You wouldn't expect them to sort themselves out before they came to you would you? You would say well come now. As you are. Then we can talk. If they sorted themselves out, they might never come, you know, half of them. But, but we need to find God in the everyday through knowing who we are. I've got two friends. One says to me, well, I think I'm a waste of space. I'm not sure it's worth continuing to live. And I don't know how anyone can love me. She's she's lovely. She's such a nice person. However, this is what she thinks deep down. She's actually believing lies and she finds it really difficult to find God. And God is reaching out to her and saying, you're my beloved child. Oh, do you know what I paid for you? Do you know how special you are to me? And she's saying, you've gone, you've gone, you've gone. And I have... So I've got another friend who's a walker. She's always walking up and down the Morven Hills and um, making me think I should do a bit of it, but I don't quite get round to it. Anyway, so she's... And then she's got sciatica and a bad back, and she can't walk at the minute. I might send her to streams next month. That might be a good idea. But anyway, till next month, she said, I came to God, and I said, oh, look, Lord, my whole identity's changed. She said, and then I remembered, I've got a secret identity with God. I've got an identity that nothing can, be ta- nothing can take from me. That's, that's one of the wonderful things about this, that nothing can take your identity from you. You know, they say you don't take anything to heaven. Actually, they're wrong. You take one thing, your identity. My mum got muddled. At, at, she died at 96, and she was muddled at the end. She'd forgotten who she was. But God hadn't forgotten. And, and she was, she'd been a Christian all her life. I bet you when she got to heaven, she suddenly thought, wow. Oh, at long last, now I remember. <laughs> and God knew who she was. She hadn't lost, she might have forgotten, but she hadn't lost her identity. I'm not going to lose my identity. A child doesn't become unborn. They're always your child. So it's 
To know God like this is like living water. I read about this in, what is it, John 4. It says, the Spirit's like living water bubbling up. I thought, that'd be wonderful. I'd be transformed. Well, I have to tell you, for me, it hasn't been quite like that. Um, On the other hand, I'm not sure it meant that you're always going to be bubbling on top. But water, if you think about it, is essential. We've all drunk water today. Coffee, tea, drinks, milk, even straight water. But water's not very exciting. If I have friends, I say, let's go out for a coffee. I don't say, let's go out for water. Water's what I get free with my coffee. A takeaway, I get a proper coffee with lots of chocolate on top. I like cappuccinos. And then, then you get a free water. But if, I didn't, if we hadn't had water in the last three days, we'd be dead. Water's life, isn't it? So it may not be very exciting, but it's essential. And in your kitchen, or think about your tap, you've got a tap, a ray, and the water comes out. And behind the tap, it goes into the wall somewhere and down, which you don't see. At least, hopefully, it's got tiles in front of it. You don't see it. And then it goes into a pipe, and then into another water pipe, and it goes along and along and along, and eventually it joins a huge water source. Huh. Ours comes from the Seven Trent. I'm hoping our water source isn't the Seven or the Trent, but I don't know quite where ours comes from, but anyway. And prayer is a bit like that, finding God in the everyday. You've got the stuff that comes out of the tap, the water. That's like prayer. But it only works because you've got all this hidden stuff. Taps with no pipes are no good, you know. You've got to have all these pipes that you don't see that go along and along and under the road and back to this water source, wherever it is. And, of course, God's the great source. And that's why life slowly changed. If I I don't pray, I shouldn't admit I don't pray, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes I dash out in the morning, and then when I come back, there's a lot on, and then... If that happens, two days running. Then on the third day, in the middle of the night, I wake up. It always happens. And I think, oh, I've got all that to do. And then I can't sleep. I think about, oh, I've got to do this. I must, I must go to sleep. But anyway, it doesn't work. So I get up and I write my to-do list. This is two in the morning and read a book. And it isn't a very important to-do list. Why, why it happens? I, well, I do know why it happens. When it happens, it's because I haven't prayed. When I pray, I can just handle life much more. When I don't pray, it's sort of, it's, it's like running out of water. My husband's always on about water in the car. Fortunately, I haven't learned how to lift up the bonnet, so I haven't, <laughs> haven't found out where it is yet, which is good. Um, but he says it's really important. Oh, okay, so I expect it is, but anyway, someone else could do it. But, but um, <laughs> we need that water, that inner feeding. But we've got obstacles. And actually, after I finish speaking, we're going to come back to obstacles. I'll give you one or two obstacles. This represents children, okay? This represents pressure. (laughs) Actually, it blows up, but the trouble is I don't know how to stop it, so I'm not going to do that. 
you press all these buttons. I had to go, and it went on and on and on. It got tighter and tighter. In the end, I had to unplug it. Anyway, this represents... <laughs> I, don't, I thought, I won't do that if I stand there. This represents pressure. Pressure from outside, pressure from other people. Then, stupidly enough, pressure from ourselves. I retired, got to the point I can choose. What did I do? Run around in circles like a headless chicken. Then I thought, this is stupid. Who's, who's making you do this? Me. So I tried to get myself in order and spend some time so that the living water comes out. I had to spend a bit more time in my secret world. So that represents pressure. Um, this represents work. I know it should be a laptop, but I haven't got one, so that'll have to do for work instead. Okay? We've all sorts of pressures. I went on a course recently for people who speed. I don't know. I won't ask you if you've ever been on one, but you know how you... <laughs> You speed, and, and then they say, well, you needn't have points on your license if you go on this course. It was absolutely excellent, really, really good. If you, if you get a chance to go on one... Anyway, they didn't say, this is how you drive at 30 miles an hour. They said, write down why you don't drive at 30 miles an hour. Well, I had a little list, but it wasn't... There wasn't a good reason why I drove fast. There wasn't. You know, it just feels nicer. And that's not a good enough reason. <coughs> so, when I saw that I hadn't got a good reason for not sticking to the speed limit, I thought, well, I, <laughs> I think, uh, I changed my driving, actually. I now drive much better. Nearly all the time, I stick to the speed limit. But I... <laughs> pray? Why don't we spend time? Why don't we find God in our secret world? Why don't we, you know, go back to God and back to God in the everyday? We all know how to. We all know we should. Why don't we? What's stopping us? It's really priorities. Someone once gave me a book on, on prayer, how to pray, and I was very busy. I had children. I thought, I'll blow it. I'm not going to read this. And I was on my way to the bin to put this nice new book in the bin. I thought I won't say anything, but anyway, when I read the back, and it was by a woman who had ten children. I thought, oh well. And she was saying, goals, priorities, planning. How did you get here tonight? You planned it. All of you. You made it either a goal, you made it, you made it a priority. All of you could have done something else. I know one lady who said to me today, I've been working all day, but I still thought I'll come. Well, that's priorities, planning goals how do you that's how we must spend our time in our secret world um how are you going to do it i'm not going to tell you quite how to do it because you know you've got to spend time if we don't spend time in our secret world with god we won't be able to remember who we are we'll go on believing everybody else and our inner voices who say, well, fancy, you're not much good at that. You know, all the negative stuff we say to ourselves, we don't have to. And you'll say it unless you spend time with God. So you need to look at what hinders you, why you don't. It's really something to do with priorities. How to find him in the everyday? Well, there's that time you need. There's also going back to God when you're doing something else. 
know. You see, you can put God in a box and not expect to see him. You could say the box was Sunday or just not expect to see God. Don't expect him to turn up. Do you know, the other day, I thought my husband was out. And um, I came in the hall, and there he was. And I went, wah! And he said, he was really surprised. He said, why are you surprised to see me? You know, I live here, I've married you 40 years. (laughs) And, And I just wasn't expecting him to be there. And it's a bit like God. Sometimes you just don't expect him to turn up. But he's there. So open our eyes to go back to him and go back to him on lots of other occasions as well. So how do you do that? Do you know we already meditate? Have you ever had a worry when you've gone back to it and back to it about your head? How am I I going to cook for the weekend when everybody's coming? That sort of thing you go back to and back to. Well, why don't you replace it with some truth that God's given you? I am with you always. Five words. As the Father has loved me, even so I have loved you. The Lord is my shepherd. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And address every problem you've got with your verse. I I think we need a time with God and something you go back to and back to. Put it by the coffee, put it on your phone. Where else could you put it? In your purse, learn it, say it before you go to sleep. And actually, if you have one verse, even if it's dead simple, like the Lord is my shepherd, but it's not, oh dear, what was that verse? It's something nice and accessible. You can go back to it and back to it. And it flowers in your life. Well, go back to the same metaphor. It is. It becomes like living water. But you need to go back to it and back to it and back to it. And you could do that whilst you're going up the stairs, whilst you're in a lift, whilst you're waiting on all those cues on the telephone. You could do it. Try and do it lots and lots of times. I'll just tell you what Carol Arnott did. You know Carol Arnott? She was involved in the Toronto Blessing. Very involved. Anyway, she bought a timer. I'm not suggesting you do this, but it influenced me. She's bought a timer. And it went off every 10 minutes. Ping! And she said, I worship you, Lord. Halfway through something else, ping! I worship you, Lord. No wonder her life was changed. And we could go back. Lord, I worship you. Just offering ourselves, this is the letting the living water flow in our lives so we're going to have a time later when we look at obstacles we're going to have a time when we say Lord let me spend time in my secret world with you shall we pray at this moment Lord of each of us is far more precious than we dream I don't think we've any idea how special we are to you. And it's amazing that you would pay so much for us, but we're very grateful. Lord, may we go back to that and live it. So show us how to do this in the everyday. Show us what our obstacles are. Show us how to dwell in that secret place with you. 
go back to you and back to you. So that it becomes more like living water that nurtures the dark and abandoned and hurt places of our very being. Thank you, Lord, that you never go. And thank you, you know us and love us. Amen.